Hello, podcast listeners. I hope you're happy. I hope you're healthy. And I hope this finds you well. We're on April 1st, 2020, starting week two in the coronavirus self-isolation slash quarantine slash lockdown, whatever somewhat harsh language or terminology you choose to use, that's where we're at. And today I get to sit down with uh, Duncan White from Transcend Health. Duncan is a physiotherapist. He's a movement teacher. I guess I would best describe Transcend, and this is, of course, completely from my own language or my own terminology, as movement-based physiotherapists and exercise physiologists. So their transformation that they make, the way they help people, is to return to function, to return to performance, to return to the thing that you love to do and overcome acute or chronic injury or pain. Uh, There's a lot of health and lifestyle work that's done as well. And as we'll get stuck into the model that they have developed and created and their thought processes are very wide ranging, uh, very holistic for lack of a better term, uh, and really, really cool, very cool. And so it's really cool to sit down with Duncan and flesh this stuff out, get a deeper understanding of how he thinks, how he's developed this sort of model, uh, how they work with people, and then a lot of value in this episode for the business owners as well. Duncan had to, Duncan and Jackie, the two co-owners here, had to really pivot some stuff pretty hard, and the team, of course, uh, when this coronavirus shutdown came through. So we talk through all of that. We talk a little bit about the stress and the mindset side of these things and how he deals with it, how he uses his own practice and movement and training around this stuff as a business owner. And there's a lot in here around leadership and, and leading teams as well. So Duncan's got a team of six, I believe it is. And I have to say, you know, I, I'm fortunate to work with Duncan and Jackie and I'm able to see from the outside and also um, see the the team in action. And I have to say they're really leading powerfully from the front because the work that the team is doing as well and the way in which everyone is stepping up is really, really impressive. So hope you enjoy the episode. If you got any questions on this one or any of the following episodes, of course, hit me up at johnandjontymarsh.com. Without further ado, I'll jump into this one. Episode 67 of the Access Potential Podcast with Duncan White, and you're listening to John Marsh. Uh, Duncan, thanks so much for coming out the time, man. 7.30 or a little bit late, quarter to eight on a Wednesday, and I know there's a lot of shit happening at the moment, um, especially in line with corona. So if you're listening, we're in week two of kind of semi-closed down. Yeah. Maybe give us a quick update, like get us up to speed on um, on what that means for you. Like what, yeah, what's sure. happening here at the moment? Yeah, cool. Um, well, I guess like, well, thanks for having me. And um, it's, a, it's a real pleasure. But um, I guess, yeah, it's week, two weeks into to when stuff really, really started getting heavy in Australia. Um, and I know it's a lot heavier overseas too, but... Um, I guess a quick little snapshot of how that's looked is basically um, three weeks ago, um, I've got a lot of friends in the medical game anyway who I, who I keep in touch with and, and they were getting quite concerned about how things were spreading even back when we had like a couple of hundred cases in Australia, that kind of thing. So 
I was a little bit lucky or at least a little bit aware to listen to those guys and see how things might start to shift pretty quickly over the coming weeks. So I'd started and Jackie, my business partner, had started talking about it and putting a few plans in place on how we might shift um, the business model, the team and, and our service delivery for our, our clients and how we can keep them um, going in the event of you know, a lockdown or restrictions on trade and that kind of stuff. So we had a little bit extra time on the front end there, thankfully. Um, but still that Sunday night when the New South Wales Premier announced a full lockdown, um, that's when obviously things got really real for a lot of people and a lot of businesses. And um, basically from that Sunday through till the Wednesday, um, we just scrambled again like everyone. And I think between me and Jackie, um, well, I know me personally, probably spent about 45 hours, 50 hours working over three days just to, to shift everything. And the team um, probably did equally as much um, as well. And then so we shifted from being entirely in the clinic to almost entirely um, online, delivering physio with you know outcomes around pain and, and helping people with that. And also for our members who are with us long term um, doing exercise and stuff, shifting them to, to more and more online platforms and um, keeping our community engaged and together. Um, and that's been a, a big process over the last two weeks. One of the things that I've noticed and which is apparent with this shift over for most businesses mm. is that you've got a completely different worldview of the client, different, different economic climate, mm -hmm. social climate. Um, and quite likely a different platform. So mm. you've more or less got a different business. And this is something that I've seen with most of the service-based businesses in particular, whether that's a cafe that's only takeaway or whatever it is. Um, you guys have basically built almost a new business realistically. You had a lot of trust and everything with existing members, but uh, to this online platform, maybe let's... Uh, which I want to acknowledge, like, it's massive, yeah. it's huge. If you're listening and you're not running a business, like you can't really, you can't really overestimate how much work there is in flipping something that quickly. Yeah. And it's happened across the, the world uh, at record rates and it's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. If you what? want me to, sorry, if you want me to provide a bit of context there just yeah. for, for the listeners as well. So our business, we have six employees. Yeah, this is where we're um, Yeah, oh, cool. Okay. So yeah, with six employees, um, you know, running various roles with roughly kind of 40 members um, who use our gym space for our semi-private kind of personal training would be the easiest way to describe it in a nutshell. With 40 of them plus, you know, running usually somewhere in the vicinity of 100-ish one-on-one consults a week for physio and EP, in 72 hours we literally picked the, the ship up and spun it from going north to, to going south essentially. Yeah. And the bigger the ship, the harder it is. Yeah. is to do that so again as well for me going through that but hats off to every single business whether it's one person or 50 people yeah um, that's been able to do it because it's, yeah. it's tough yeah. yeah 
Uh, I want to talk about that more later because I know you can't do that sort of a pivot on your own. Mm -hmm. So I want to kind of talk about how you enrolled and the team. First though, what's, give us some backstory, like what, what it, how did Transcend come to be? Mm. What is it about? Maybe start with a little bit of your own story, like leading into it. Yep. Yeah. Is that yeah. sun killing? No, it's fine. Okay. If it does, we'll just move over. Yeah, and I gotcha. Move the camera. Okay, does it look all right on the screen? Yeah, if it comes too much across, we'll cut this out of the audio. If it comes too much across, like if it's in your yeah, face, yeah, yeah. we'll just move. Okay. Um, so yeah, a little bit about, about my story and how Transcend started. Um, so I've been a physio now for about 10 years, but it's always been in my periphery as something that I might like to do. Even as a kid, I knew that I wanted to do something that was kind of medical based to do with the human body, but I didn't want to be a doctor. Then, back then, I didn't know why. I can definitely articulate it more now. Um, Were you act super active as a kid? Yeah, uh, I was a mix. I definitely enjoyed playing PlayStation and that kind of stuff. Um, you know, mum would often still have to, to tell me to get off, um, off the PlayStation or the computer, but um, I was also extremely outdoors. I grew up in a small country town. We had an acre, lots of friends with farms, and so I was kind of mixing between both. But sporting-wise, I was a very much a racket sport kind of person. Where'd you um, grow up? Scone. Yeah. Yeah. So about 4,000 people in the town when I was a kid. It's a bit bigger now. But yeah, um, yeah so like that was, was part of it. And I did have a lot of injuries, especially in my teenage years, dislocated shoulders, rah, rah. Um, and I was lucky enough to, to go and do some, or have contact with the physio in Scone, um, she's now passed away, but um, she was pivotal in that kind of early days, let me come in, watch what she did, would explain things to me, and, and that kind of, at 16, led me to go, well, okay, this is what I wanted to do. And for anyone that knows me, um, once I kind of decide on something, that's, that's kind of it, uh, and I'll just keep chugging along at it until I reach kind of where I think I want to be or where I want to think I go and before I kind of start pivoting too much. So that's how it started. Uh, I graduated uni, did all of that, worked in public health, the John Hunter, then went overseas for a year, came back in private practice um, and was really quite dogmatic about a specific style of physio by this point, um, which I still use today and it's, it's still a really important pivotal part of how we approach our practice, but it certainly isn't the be all and end all. Um, and, and this kind of really got highlighted to me when I had a major back injury. So um, I herniated my L5 S1 disc, um, lost use of my left foot, so I couldn't dorsiflex or bring my toes back towards my knees. Was that injury, acute injury, or? Uh, it was an acute on, on kind of a chronic build-up of, yep. of stuff. But yep. yeah, there was, a, was an event, um, and then... Um, it's kind of that thing, is, if it, is it ever really just acute? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's de that's definitely a conversation we could, we could go down the rabbit hole with, but... Um, but yeah, definitely in this case and in a lot of people's cases, I would say that yeah, it's probably never quite as acute as we think it is, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that happened and, and I started treating myself, 
and you know really getting into the perspective of what it's like to receive treatment as well because I had colleagues helping me out um, and I got about three months in and whilst the pain was you know more under control uh, I still had pain to varying amounts day to day but I could work and you know do normal kind of life stuff and the function in my foot was starting to return um, I st um, still had some numbness and whatnot but that was returning and I was three months in and I was like okay these are all the tools that I currently have and I've hit this plateau mark which which I now realize is, is super common with with people with our clients and that kind of stuff and that's when the shift started for me where I had to go looking for the solutions out there that would start to solve the new problems that I had and so yeah that's where I got into the movement game into breath work into um, you know gymnastics yoga blah 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 everything and from that I would find things oh, this helps with this bit or this helps with this bit and so you start to piece together this Rubik's Cube you get one face done and then you change it and it stuffs up and, and eventually you get all the faces kind of looking like they were so that was me 12 months after the injury I was more physically capable um, in a better headspace all of that than I was pre-injury um, and so then I started bringing this into my physio practice and whilst the practice that I was the clinic that I was working at is a, is a really really good clinic and I still have lots of respect for those guys and how they practice it these little changes and, and this is a human thing obviously when we're faced with change um, is it's you start to question it and if it doesn't quite sit well and you can't sit with it uh, you'll grade up against it and so that was happening between me and and the other clinic to a degree um, and then I met Jackie and that's where all of this ended up being yeah. from yeah. yeah so effectively you went from what I, I guess based off what I'm hearing like more of a traditional hands-on mm -hmm. physio approach injury comes through mm -hmm. uh, it's long-lasting enough to change the way you're thinking a little bit look for different solutions mm. come into the movement side of things as well if someone's listening like <clears throat> You know, at that time, bringing this sort of way of thinking into a more hands-on physio practice, yeah. was that something that was common or was it something that was like a little bit left of center or is it common today or? Yeah. It was then, so this was about five years ago, maybe yeah. a bit more, um, five, six years ago, let's say. It was left of center for the vast majority of, of physios. There was certainly a couple here and there that I would kind of see off in the distance, um, not even in the local area, but maybe in Australia or, or, or overseas, but um, not common at all. And it was actually really interesting after I, I left the, the place I was at, the physio joint, um, my, my boss said to me, he's like, if you can make this work, I think you're really onto something. Um, but he's like, I just don't know how you're going to make it work as a business. Yeah. Um, which was kind of really cool. So he did see value in it. Um, he just didn't quite get how we could 
make that work in, in the environment that we were in. And, and it did take a change in the environment, like the physical environment, to be able to deliver everything I wanted to. So that's, that's not nothing on him either. Yeah. Um, that's a, a significant capital outlay to, to do that. Yeah. So in plain English, if someone's listening in, what does that actually mean, say, now, fast forward those five years mm. or so, 2020, how do you work with someone? What does that business model look like that shift from traditional or more old school or mm. what people might think of with physio or um, you know, rehabilitation mm. or any of that sort of thing into what you do now with the classes, the movement, the, that whole approach? What, is that, what does that actually mean? Yeah, okay. So I'll try and create some definition here before I go in into that, just because I think it's it's somewhat important. So traditional physio um, and a lot of like medical based practices, the more alternate you get, the more this kind of shifts and changes. But um, we'll go with, with physio and, and general medicine here at the moment. Traditionally, it's what we'd call a pathoanatomical approach. So patho meaning pathology, disease, problem. Um, and anatomical meaning, structure, bodily processes, this kind of stuff. So traditionally how that looks is you come in with sore shoulder, I, the clinician sees the sore shoulder and doesn't really worry too much about the, the rest of the person. And what we're seeing shift over the last five years, and this is a little bit more common now, but still not as common as, as I personally would like it to be, um, is what we would call a biopsychosocial model. So there's three parts to that. Bio being your biology, the physiology, all of that stuff that we just talked about. Um, psycho, which is um, your psychology, how you identify, how you relate, your beliefs, connection, all of, all of these kind of softer skills that you, you probably talk about a lot, John. Um, and then social, which is something you also talk about, which is how well you are supported in your environment or your community, um, but also how well you feel like you support your environment and your community, which is, is super important. Mm. So having a two-way street with your clinician that it's not all give, give, give by the clinician and, and take, take, take by the patients, actually really important. Interesting. Yeah. Almost um, like you're contributing somehow as the patient. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And can and help with the healing. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. You're more empowered yeah. as well when that happens. Um, so that that is something that we and the thing with that model is it's not like you can identify in an individual person like John, if you're sitting here, I can't go, well that's his biology, that's his um, psychology and that's his social aspect it's more like you've mixed them together and made a mayonnaise and you can't separate the egg from the mustard from the salt mm. okay it's now this one thing and how do we how do we work with it um, and so that's the approach that we take so how that looks for people coming in in to see us is um, we stepped through a model which I've adapted and changed from a few other models that I started, which is studied, which is we start with pain modulation. So how can we practically affect the current sensations that you're experiencing? Um, then we go into 
or it's it's more of a continuum rather than a step. So for the listeners, don't think that it's like stage one, I completed stage one, stage two. These mesh together, but for the purpose of the conversation, we go pain modulation, facilitation, and then performance. And performance could be picking your grandkid up or it could be snatching 100 kilos. It will very much depend on the person. And so we run people through this this continuum and at any point in time they will sit at different spots on the continuum with different activities um, and we use to decide where they're sitting at any one point in time is something called the traffic light rule so red light is we do an activity you have discomfort the first question is is that discomfort tolerable can you work with it yes cool we're going to ignore that we're aware of it, we're not dismissing it, but we've got to work with it. The, the important thing is what happens next. After you've done this activity, are your symptoms changed? Are they worse? That's a red light. doesn't mean it's bad. It just means that stop, you're not ready for this yet. But we'll make you ready. Um, yellow is, eh, there was no real change. And this is a good thing because this is the yellow lights are often the ones that traditionally patients get told to stop doing as well and they don't need to there's no consequence to your pain and in fact stopping you walking your dog every day may actually make your pain experience much much worse and it's not making it worse it's not making it better just keep doing it uh, and then the green light is where we see a positive change in your symptoms or how you move or, or whatever and this is how we go from bringing all of this out, this bird's eye view, down to the one thing that we're going to start today to shift you to the, towards the place where you want to be. Yeah. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, and I think, you know, when I first heard that you've got this sort of movement approach and, and then also that um, uh, biosocial biopsychosocial yeah. uh, model, there's potential for it to feel like it then becomes very quickly into, oh, it's intuitive. Yeah. You know, like, oh, we, yeah. do, we, <laughs> we just, we intuitively do this. Yeah. Because this, all of a sudden, this feeling of this big web. Yeah. And of course, it, we know that it's true. We know that it's complex. So to hear a model, I think to bring some kind of framework uh, for the practitioner, for anyone who's staff member, or mm. even if it was intuitive to be able to communicate how to learn, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's really cool. And so do you then have that model rolled out or sort of taught through yep. Transcend? Yeah, so all of my team um, are t taught very much this model. And we do, the way I teach the team is not so much traditional, style anymore um, like here's the model go and apply it kind of thing it's introduction here's the model here you know here's how it looks here's how some things that I've found to communicate with the person on, on where they are and that kind of thing without confusing them yeah. with the model and then we will do a lot of um, 
uh, not project-based learning. Well, it is kind of project-based learning, but we will co-treat together. Yeah. And the shift between me leading the interaction and the other clinician leading the action um, interaction shifts. Yeah. And so they get this practical application to then we can walk away and go, okay, you did this awesomely. The, in this situation, this is how I might have approached it, but you approached it like this, which looked to work, run with it, or um, it seemed a bit clunky, what if we kind of combined a few things here? And, and so it's this evolving um, practical-based education experience. Yeah. What do you see as some of the, you know, because you've worked with a lot of people one-to-one and in the groups to actually get out of pain? So, right, like they come in, they're in pain, and then they go through that process, and then they're, I'm assuming or guessing, free of pain. That's kind of, or Mm -hmm. able to move or able to Mm. do the things they love. And uh, I guess, you know, from that sample size, that real experience, Mm. when you look around, like, what do you, what do you see as some of the, um, the, things that you not necessarily don't agree with or things that are a little bit um, missing part of it or, you know, the other, you know, thinking back to the old way, which was mm. just say hands-on without mm. the, the social aspect or, mm. or, you know, just doing the movement stuff and not looking at, um, you know, the other aspects. Is there anything that you like, yeah, this is, you know, uh, just completely missing mm. you know what I mean does that make sense yeah 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 so it's it's really interesting and I, I find this because I feel like this whole thing could get quite dogmatic it could different, 100% and not sensing from you no but just generally yeah absolutely it can and and I I know clinicians that are super dogmatic on both sides of mm. the fence and my opinion of that and this is obviously an opinion so take it for for what that is is that it's too both are too polarizing and we end up serving no one um and i i actually make it a point of view to expose myself to both both dogmatic sides i quite enjoy that both i enjoy a bit of a tussle but also to refresh myself with the more pathoanatomical physio because there's still value there. We need to pick up when it's something bad like a fracture or cancer or something which touch wood, I've had three really bad things walk in my clinic in 10 years, Um, but I've picked them up. Um, But, and then the other ones who are more like this web of just move, it's intuitive, you know, it doesn't matter how you move, well, you know, we could we could definitely make some arguments against that too. Um, so I'm, I'm very conscious of that. But in terms of where, going back to your question, I'm just trying to rewind it in my head, going back to, to where I think the traditional side kind of misses the boat is definitely pain is something that's human, okay? It's like happiness and sadness. It comes and goes. Our experience of any painful episode will be contextualized to the, the, the experience that we're having, right? So if we don't appreciate and understand that, then how can we involve the whole person 
and empower them to take control. And hands-on therapy, whilst can be extremely useful, and I still will use it at, at times in the right stage, what I believe is the right stage with the right person, um, doesn't teach them how to change their identification with pain and work with it, more like it's giving you a message or a feedback loop or tool um, to, uh, for, sorry, that's what we're aiming to get the person to, but hands-on approach puts me as the clinician in the driver's seat instead of you. I do the thing, you get out of pain, but you have no idea of how you can start to help yourself and steer yourself around the corner. Mm. That's the biggest danger of just manual therapy, I believe. Yeah. Okay. So I see there's, you know, where we're sitting, there's like some boxes, some bar, uh, a bike, there's a big, there's like obviously the rig mm-hmm. and the ring, gymnastics rings, mm-hmm. um, wooden dowels barbells and plates and a lot of open floor space Mm. when you talk about movement which you know is a whole conversation around the word in itself what's is it a bit of everything person to person depending on their goals like do you guys do you have a specific approach or an ideal or Mm. something that you tend to work towards you know I see this rig I'm thinking probably body weight stuff's in there Mm. um, some weighted stuff like flesh that out a little bit Um, you know what's what happens in here yeah so yeah for sure just to be upfront we we do have our own and each individual team member and clinician has their own little biases towards what exercises they specifically like and what tools and like I said, if we fit that into the, the framework I worked before and can really critically say, well, yes, that, that works in this scenario, I have no problem with what exercise you choose to do as long as it's specific to what you're trying to target and we can get a, a measurable or it can be not so objective, but we are moving towards a direction that the person wants. But... What happens in here is when we go through that framework, you come in one-on-one, we start with an exercise or a movement that we've worked together, you and I as the patient, that's identified a green light. That's your homework. Go home, do that 100 reps a day, let's say. Um, Next session we come in and we will add in, you know, maybe some resistance band work to start to move the joint under some tension, through some range of motion, expose it to a little bit of load, and that's that facilitation phase. Or there's some more Pilates-based, yoga-based exercises that bring awareness um, and control and, and things through through those movement patterns. And then we get into the performance base, you know, a couple of sessions in where if you've got back pain, you'll probably start deadlifting. Or, you know, learning how to approach picking something up off the ground and we so you're leaning into the place where it generally is avoided you absolutely yeah. yeah that's i'm glad you actually brought that up because that is where the real gold is if you have kids or grandkids and you have back pain and you want to pick them up you're not going to be able to start to pick them up until you actually lean in to that start to one understand your 
pain and how it you know, may or may not be affected by picking the thing up. But then two, from a, a physical point of view, actually build the capacity and resilience of that area. And the only way that's done is by putting it under load. It's not done by massage and, and all the other techniques mm. that, that get done. It's interesting, you know, I think of like, you know, a lot of the work in, even just in the APA program or when I work with a small business owner, there's this concept of tension. Mm. And the tension is, it's not really usually a tangible, but the tension is the thing that we're shying away from. Yep. And say it's, okay, you know, we're gonna, it could be cold calling, it could be mm. something as simple as that, or it could be networking, or it mm. could be content creation. Mm. Anything that ex exposes us like as a, into that vulnerable space, mm. writing a blog, whatever. Yep. And with the natural human conditions to, to veer away from the tension and the, the, the solve, the, the, when you go on like anything longer than a 24 hour time frame mm. is to lean into the tension. And it's super hard to train yourself to do it. But it's like, oh, I'm feeling resistance to do it, starting this podcast. Like that means I have to start the podcast, yeah. even if it's three minute podcast that I don't even publish. Like, yeah. I have to lean into it. And it's interesting that it's such a parallel to what you're talking about. Yeah. Do you think, how much of that do you think is mental, emotional linked to say that bending over or mm -hmm. that thing that caused the pain mm. versus the physical aspect of just? Yeah, for sure. I just wanna, it, the short answer here is it depends and that's always hard, to really, hard to really know. But to give some idea for the listeners on, on how that might be for an individual case is, firstly, I just want to acknowledge that your pain is real. If you're experiencing pain and it's in your back, um, we in the last couple of years have got into this idea that the pain is entirely emotional or mental. Or, and these are driving factors, don't get me wrong, but it's, it's not the whole picture. Yeah. And the pain that you're feeling is in your back because that's where you feel it and that's where it limits you. And so pain is, is what we now say is of the brain. It's, a, it's an output and it's felt where, where you feel it. But here's, the, here's probably an example that highlights for you. So I had a patient about, uh, it was before COVID because um, we were in the clinic here and- We have two eras now. Yeah, pre, pre and post COVID, yeah. yeah. Pre, there was handshakes, there was hugs, <laughs> there was all this other stuff, now it's just- Yeah, yeah. and now it's two meters away and, yeah. and all of this. But, um, but we, we had gone through the early phases with his treatment and he was getting control and we had some specific movements that he was doing like Penadol when his pain flared we could do this and get control and now we were looking to build capacity and I wanted him to do a Jefferson curl. And um, with no weight yet, we just wanted to expose him to the movement. So rolling forward into, into a downward, like you'd go to touch your toes direction for those that don't know what a Jefferson curl is. And the minute he started going forward, it was pain, 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 red lights, yeah. okay? Which from, a solely physical point of view didn't make a lot of sense given everything we'd done. Now, again, that pain was real, but what we were able to do is then use the dowels and the sticks and play an avoidance game really gently. So he had to avoid the stick as I started waving it towards him. And as he started getting 
into it. We started really small and it got bigger and bigger and I ended up tricking him essentially into bending forward with, without pain. Now, we could argue that motor patterns changed and that's why he didn't get pain. If you were the physio on the pathoanatomical side, if you're the physio on the biopsychosocial model, you would say he, his fear and, and emotional state was de deregulated and, and that's why he could do it. So there's well, arguments. The conscious link to the forward, I, I yeah. can't bend over forward or I can't touch my toes mm. is the narrative and you, you just tricked the whole thing so he wasn't even going through that pathway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool, I like that. It's kind of like when I'll help someone with content is one times what I'll do is yeah. get them on the podcast. Yeah. And it's an organic conversation as a guest and then I'll send them a little clip and say, hey, look, you did, you created content. Yeah. You can put this out for your business. Yeah. And there you go. Like it breaks, a, um, it breaks down a narrative. Yeah. So talk to us about your, uh, what's your training look like? What's your model? What's your way of, you know, um, practicing or mm. is it strength is it you know where what do you what are you into at the moment what mm -hmm. does that look like i know you've done some work with jacob um mm -hmm. over at new strength yep so i i like um variety and i think but i also like to be very succinct in what i'm doing at any one point in train in time so if we take a macro bigger view of my training life um, there's been parts that have been more gymnastics based or dance based or um, awareness based uh, or strength based um, and, and that's really important but when I go in I will tend to make a singular focus on a modality to glean as much as I can from it. So to answer the, the question at a micro level at the moment um, for the last sort of six, 12 months, it's been much more strength focused and all my mobility work and things and, and awareness work and stuff has been put in maintenance phase. So I'll still touch on it every week or two weeks, maybe once and just see where it is, make sure it doesn't need to be dusted off. But the bulk of my training will be uh, like I'll deadlift and squat two or three times a week at the moment. Um, and then I'll work Each on... or separately? Legs three times a week? Legs at least twice, yeah. but probably three. Um, and it'll be like more focused on deadlift one day and more focused on squat the other day with accessory yeah. exercises. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then there's a little bit of the upper body, some one arm chin work um, and some vertical pressing, like handstand push up yeah. kind of deal. Yeah. That's at the moment. Yeah. How did that change? I know you've owned or been an owner of the business for a while. Mm. Um, but how much, you, you know, with the team, with the premises, like how much are you able to, what's your thoughts on that balance? Like, mm. because I think a lot of people, especially in this audience, you know, will be into the training, into mm. the stuff and, um, even people, I think, owning a business or being in the contractor will find it very easy to train, you know, me 10 years ago, easy to train twice a day, five yeah. days. Uh, and, and, and not, you know, be pushing the business side of things, mm. you know, um, 
I'm probably speaking largely to myself back then, <laughs> but, but I still see it, you know, where it's easier to train for three hours than it is to create some social media or to have a staff meeting. Yeah. And obviously when you own a business, you've got a lease, like you've got wages to pay. Yeah. That can't happen. Like there's, a, there's, a, there's an inflection point where mm. things change. Mm. So what's that look like for you and how's that shifted and how you reconcile that with all of the, the load? You know, how do you find mm. it as a business owner, the stress, everything that goes on? Yeah, it brings me back to a conversation I had with my mom about four years ago. Um, where she was like, you know, when you have kids, you won't be able to train three hours a day. Um, or when you have a business, you won't be able to train three hours a day. And, yeah. And she was more or less right. Um, but I think it changes from getting out of our own head and our own narrative around, I'll lose all my gains if I don't train this amount. And, and that's just not how it works, even from a physiological point of view. We definitely feel like we get weaker before we actually lose muscle mass or get weaker. If you're young and healthy, it's actually really hard to lose muscle mass, but that's a separate conversation. So I'll park that there. Now, in terms of training, you need to dance. I, I think of it like a dance. So at times, I'll be able to train more um, because you know energetically, I'm not giving it all into the business mm. or seasonality seasonality yeah. it's definitely seasonality to it that's a big one eh? yeah huge and so at the moment post covid i think i've i trained once last week um with ollie where one of my team members where we just picked some heavy shit up and got angry just to release some engine that was the only session i did all that week yeah this week i did some front squats um and a little bit of one-arm chin work and um hormonally, like energetically, I couldn't perform at my normal numbers. I just went through the motions, yeah. put it up. And, and it's about knowing where you want to go in the long term, but not being attached to having to hit it right now in this moment. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, being fluid with your ability to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Patience, humility, all yeah. of that yeah uh, it's the same for me I trained once like pro trained with inverted commas once yeah. in the last maybe two weeks ten days yeah and just with everything that's been going on like mm. so the, the physiological load just went up from mm. every other area in the business and you know with people I work with and then it was like walking and mm. meditation and some strict like it was super low end on the rest of the stuff yeah um and being responsible to your team, like for me as well, there's a, yeah. there's a responsibility for me to the people I serve, which includes my team and my clients, um, and making sure that I am still fulfilled, but making sure that they feel safe. And if I have to put a bit more work in over here, um, then doing my front squats, then then that's a, a short-term sacrifice that I'm willing to make for the greater good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So, I guess I want to talk a little bit about teams communication. I think that's a really good entry. Mm -hmm. uh, I have seen you and Jackie go strength to strength in terms of in a short space of time having said that I don't know you guys incredibly well early last year mm. but 
you know, the people that you've brought on, the role, the work that they're doing, which to me is always a great sign of leadership when you see um, stuff being created and actioned early from people coming through because mm. for a leader, that's sometimes difficult. Uh, you've got to hand over responsibility. It's a little bit of, um, it's a, it, it can feel like a little bit of friction to give that responsibility and empower people early. Yeah. Talk a little bit about what you're doing um, that's working well for you, mm. things that you're learning, things that you know you could share with others who have a team, especially in this time, mm-hmm. maybe where there's a little bit of extra strain on businesses mm. uh, and staff. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing is there's all these and we've talked about this before, there's all these kind of central human premises, right, that um, are points that uh, get revolved around and how it looks from the outside will be different in each context and each scenario, but the central premise is the same. And one of the big things for human beings in general, whether they're my team, my clients, my family, whoever, is that change is super scary and I want to, and if big changes happen and my world has fallen out from under me, which has happened to almost everyone in our society as of you know, a couple of weeks ago, is I'm now scrambling to find stability, find somewhere where I can stand and find a center point again. And so as leaders, one of the things that I think is really important for us is finding that stability and being able to communicate from from there. So for, for us, it was first thing Monday morning, and I'd been up almost all of Sunday night, you know, um, punching out work and doing, figuring out how things might look, is, is I called an emergency team meeting um, via Microsoft Teams, which is the online platform, um, to one, hear from everyone how they were, get a sense of of where they were at. And I'd also had text messages and phone calls over the Sunday as well, but put them all in one place to show that, hey, this is a stable thing. We're we're a team, we're a cohesive unit, and we can move as one. So they're scrambling and back to the center point, which is transcend Mm -hmm. as an organism. Now transcend needs to change, but its beliefs, what we're trying to do and serve for our community is still the same. It's just how we, we do it is different. Um, and then once they understood that, being able to double down on just touch points with them, so phone calls, making space and being present with them face to face, hearing their problems and helping them through solutions, and that's just boop, 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 expanded out to to our members, to our one-on-one clients, and I probably made like 500 phone calls in you know three days, or and or texts and or emails, and it was it was crazy. But um, but doubling down on letting people know that hey, we're stable, we're still here, you can lean on us, and this is how that will start to look. And you just see that the like, oh, cool something in my world right now is something I can stand on. Mm. Is that kind of answering? Totally, the question? yeah, yeah. And that that resonates a lot with 
the concept that you know to me it's this concept of one one way to think of it is presence mm-hmm. uh, if even if we walk into a room and that stability on the personal level is not there mm. for whatever reason it might be the right thing at the time Absolutely. something's happened um, but we feel that we pick that up and so and then on the flip side when someone comes in who's deeply present and you, you, there's a sense of safety especially if it's their space mm-hmm. um, which can be grounding and I think that you know when you look at the performance part of the whole model uh, is only positive yeah so one thing that happens for a lot of people is when stress hits they tend to go um less on comms Mm. usually it's like more on busyness more on the inputs to support the narrative so like more on the news yeah more on work Mm -hmm. um more in isolation, less on communication, less on social interaction, less on sleep, the, all of the, the parasympathetic. And the natural trigger is to create a narrative that I have to do this, I have to go more this way because look at what's happening yeah. in the media. Can't you see I'm right? Leave me alone because I need to work. Mm-hmm. And we see it even with leaders and with teams quite a lot. And what can happen is, of course, if you're in the, if you're further um, along or your colleague or staff member uh, it's not a great feeling no. how do you you know I'm pretty sure that 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 tendency to um, to go that way is it's fairly common mm-hmm. a- and we can sense it and choose to go the other way how do you pull yourself up whether it's in this case or normally to not Isolate to co- mm. to not lone wolf things mm. when you're an owner, mm-hmm. and to then keep coming back to have those systems to keep coming back yeah. into communion, I guess, or yeah. whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it's super tricky, and and I like every other human on the planet has that that tendency. I'm grateful that I went through some other hard times where I lone wolfed it, and it hurt me. And it with hurt, this business, with this business, yeah. yeah, 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 it hurt me. It hurt other people that I was close with and a lot of things and um, and so that experience made me more aware in this experience to not let that happen even though they're entirely different um, kind of on the outside pictures but but yeah it is so my job my main job is to be the rock for for the business at the moment with the ocean and then from that rock, I give Luke, one of my team members, a project um, and communicate a lot with him about you know, how, what we want this to look like. So he's in charge of keeping our community together. That's his main role at the moment. So he's running our Facebook group. He's posting content internally for our, our clients and that stuff and keeping them connected, motivating them. Um, Ollie was all about, his strength was all about the tech stuff and um, he's a great physio just delivering and keeping the quality high and I can give, I have all the confidence in the world to give anyone to him, um, which we've built over you know 18 months of working together um, and so he's doubling down on those two things as part of his role. Jackie and I bounce 
ideas she I have a tendency to be more masculine and uh, not that this is this might not sound quite right but if you've ever read the book um, this way of the superior man this will make some sense perhaps but I will tend to be the more masculine energy and just like okay punch 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 we're gonna do this and and she will soften things up so so that's important and she's big on the the online and the service delivery as well admin team are helping me massively with just comms um, with with clients and that kind of stuff and and so for me then I'm delegating out and and still teaching and helping them when they have problems in these areas but I'm not the one necessarily doing every single task so that I can be the rock mm. and, and that's a very very tricky thing to to trust people to let go of hey they can probably do this just as well as me if not better especially if they've given the space to do it which I don't have right now um, I think all of that's part of it hopefully that mm. wasn't too wishy-washy yeah no I, I get it for sure and it takes a certain amount of conscious conscious effort mm. to not spread yourself so thin across everything so that you can have that presence yeah and there's a lot of value in in that presence itself yeah on the presence actually this is something i did mean to say in there you john had taught me um your traffic light model which is oh yeah 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 um do you mind if i, I share it. yeah cool so so red is if you come into a situation and for whatever reason you're you're not present and that's completely okay yeah that's um, a big caveat is that it yeah. can be good to be red if that's what it needs to yeah some some context some situations you need to be red hot just like doing tactical killing stuff essentially um so there's there's the red um and then there's yellow where you're kind of present kind of not present and then there's the green where you are entirely present this is the only thing kind of in my universe right now but also so once where you're aware of this working on and this is something you've talked to me a lot about and the other guys in APA with energy generation is like how do I shift my energy to be towards the green more often and so thankfully again I'd put in work with mindfulness and stuff so I can I can become aware quickly do some breathing or, or do something and start to dial my red down where that situation two minutes ago needed it but this situation where Janelle one of my admin teams in front of me I need to be at least a yellow if not a green right now in front of her and shifting that mm. Uh, for for that moment as, as best I can. Mm. One of the cool things I think that is obvious yet difficult is that simply by that awareness that you have, you can influence the state of the other people in the room. Mm. I think if you're healing, you know, you would know more about this than me, but if you're working with, say, physical tension, physical pain, which mm. can you know you talked about uh social or uh psychological psychological yeah if you've got that presence which typically is a little less tension in the physical body the mm. shoulders are relaxed the mm. breathing's more relaxed that effectively has a positive influence on me or whoever's in the room so i think having that you know because i've i've had treatments or had um body work done from people who have had a lot of tension a lot of that 
you know, red energy, mm-hmm. not bad, just uh, a lot of excitation. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to really like relax into it. And so you end up kind of walking out tense a little bit. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think it's interesting how, being in that space where you're working, you know, with people on the physical level, healing people or, or movement or whatever it might be, that you might not see that straight away in something like um, computer programming or something where it's, it, it definitely would still be playing out. Mm but it would be more second order or it'd be a little bit further down the line whereas here you could see it straight away how their physical body's responding to your presence or your tone or your posture or whatever it is yeah yeah absolutely Um, the example of that in the clinic is i walk into my my waiting room and i can almost identify someone with chronic back pain just by the way they're sitting Mm. because guess what they're sitting super upright in what would be traditionally or in the media called good posture but they're just rigid they're protected they're they're rigid in this straight posture and um, i'm like cool this is part of the painting that's getting painted live in front of me of this this person john sitting here and and we walk in to the room and I close the door and I invite them to, to sit down and they stay in their super rigid posture and then I f- flop on the bed in what would be deemed shit posture yeah. by someone who's biomechanical, like rah, 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 but it's not. I'm super comfortable, I'm relaxed and I'm not in pain sitting like this. So, and I'll often bring their attention in some subtle way to that and you do you start to see this oh, okay, I don't need to be so conscious of how I'm sitting mm. all the time. And that's a, that's a huge conversation piece. But yeah, we'll, we'll yeah, I can, we could go deep there. Yeah, we could, There's but I'll leave it there. There's a number of times <laughs> I've been on, that, on both sides of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've seen a lot of stuff more recently, you know, physios, people that I follow who, uh, who are kind of in, in, on this side of the conversation mm. talking about... Um, slouching and how we really don't know it's not yeah. so nothing everything that we used to think was don't do this or whatever they're like, ah, we don't really know that it causes any pain posture whatever it might be um so yeah yeah absolutely the is there anything else that you wanted to cover or talk i think you know we've gotten a good starting grasp of like where you guys are at i think some really good value um you know for people there's lots in here. I think one is as a business owner, just this whole conversation of the awareness that Duncan's had around, uh, you know, his training around how to balance all of this stuff, because it can be a real shock. And I think, you know, sometimes when people start out in the health and wellness space, they come from a physical practice or come from doing stuff lots of physically. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about setting intentions for the day or um, the things that we need to focus on, there's a real bias towards maintaining the high level of the practice. Mm. And I think what's evident when you work deeper with business owners and anyone who's been in business for longer, you see this, but it's, it's really a recalibration of everything, a whole worldview and, and really, really rejigging how you're going to balance that stuff in mm. 
you know, because your, your job, your work is for people with their physicality and their health. Mm. And so how do you rejig your thing to be able to create the business that yeah. supports that as well? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, anything else you want to add or talk about? No, um, I feel like, yeah, like you said, we've covered, covered a lot off. Um, probably just to, to give a little bit of summary for, for some of the business owners of the last little thing you said is, yeah, you've, if you're in this business, you've probably built a base level of physical health that can be maintained on the scraps of a workout. Um, and, and it's okay to do that, but I went through that recalibration and it's a painful process. It's painful, I had that too. Yeah, super yeah. painful. So if you are going through it, um, I hope that that little comment just makes you aware of it and just helps ease off that the level of anxiety. The superhero in, yeah. Yeah, in all areas. Yeah. And it's interesting because the pain, the pain of that identity shift won't come up in the physical practice. No. Like you'll actually keep training really yeah. well, all of that stuff. It'll come up in a personal relationship or yeah. it'll come up in a business relationship, whatever it is. It's really interesting how we'll preserve the thing that the ego is super fixated on at such a level, and but it'll pop somewhere else. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, what's next for on the cards, short term, intermediate term for you guys at Transcend? Uh, for, for us, it's now that we've kind of turned the ship entirely, just stabilizing it, um, seeing what holes we need to plug where we're maybe missing um, some of the connection pieces or some of the things in the service delivery. Um, just to tighten that up because this is our reality now for all intents and purposes. Um, and then also in that process, starting to get our voice back as an organism, as transcend as an organism and to the community um, on, on how we're still there to, to serve them and how we still have capacity to serve them is probably the, the next week or two of yeah what's on the agenda yeah we've gone through a collective shift a little bit readjustment and now it's like whether that be content or um way of communicating mm. the value again or showing value mm. yeah i think that's uh i think we'll probably i think we'll probably see a lot of that overall hopefully because i think we need to readjust yeah uh awesome if you uh, enjoyed the episode or you want to reach out to Duncan I think he's you know he's you guys are here in, in what's the street uh, so this is in Newcastle Road and Broadmeadow Road Broadmeadow yeah. next to Crema Coffee if you're in Newcastle area um, but you can you can contact him on the Transcend pages or his own I'll put them in the yeah, if anyone wants to reach out, my direct email is duncanw at transcendhealth.com.au. Yeah. Give me an email and we'll go from there. I think if you're in that physio, osteo, chiro, and you're interested in movement, I know there's lots of different words there I just put out, but if you've got coming from like a clinical, but you're also passionate about the movement and that slightly un more unstructured, for lack of a better term, I think Duncan could be a really cool person to check out and the work he's doing because you do need to figure out a way to make viability as a business, mm. which isn't on the surface as easy as it might seem. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for your time, man. Really appreciate it. We'll have to jump on again soon. Sounds awesome. 
That's it for this episode of the Access Potential Podcast. As always, thank you so much for listening. Always appreciate your thoughts, your questions, your comments. Send them through to john at johntmarsh.com and your feedback as well. It's always appreciated. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you on the next episode.